Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. Hello there, beautiful. Ooh, you're giving people a little self-esteem juice today. You and I have had a day, so I figured I'd help other people. Oh, you want to say hello? Go ahead. Hello, Dan. Hi, beautiful people. We've got a great show today. First, we are talking about the state of black maternal health care in the U.S., and I can give you a spoiler alert. It's not good, but it might be getting better because we are talking with May founder, Maya Hardigan, who is making it her life's work to change that. And she is incredible. Then we are really reconsidering Santa's lap by reading a reconsideration of Santa's lap. Is it okay to have your kids sit on Santa's lap? I think there's a valuable argument on both sides. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag. Up next, different child than the one that just spoke to you, maybe, or maybe the same. Ah, take it away. Kicking shit. I've been subbing at a school and I'm directing the sixth grade play at that school. And one of the tenets of mom Taraj is that we were a person before we were a mother. And to remember that we were someone before we became this other thing. And one of the things that's been hard for me is that since I have become a mother, and even since when I met Lee, I haven't really done the jobs in which I identify part of my identity. Lee saw me teach yoga, which was an important one, but he's never really seen me act. And Luna has not really seen me do anything aside from momtourage. I guess she's seen me teach yoga, but still. So anyway, we had a meeting and I had to bring Luna to the short meeting at the school. And it was really good having Luna see me as this other thing, seeing the kids talk to me. She liked it. I was really happy that it happened. In all fairness, she's seen you do this. She sees you and I do this, but she also knows we're friends. So I don't really know if she knows the difference. And then as far as teaching yoga, that's also been virtual. So seeing me in a different space, where people were talking to me. I think also because it was other kids. And holding you in a certain esteem and value. It made me feel like I'm prioritizing the things that I've wanted to. And it was just cool to see that. I feel like it's not a fully developed tits. It just was something that really hit me. I was like, oh, I like this. I like her seeing me in this way. That's nice. The shits are seasonal depression, man. This dark so early is a joke. I hate it. I feel like it's hitting harder this year. Well, I mean, what we've just been through with the election and three years in a pandemic. I basically want to go to bed immediately when the sun goes down, but that's like at five o'clock. Doesn't stop me. I've been putting on my robe at five with the hood. My thing is when I really need a hoodie and I just close it so I look like I'm just coming out of the birth canal. And I've just been like, I'm gonna put my full fleece robe with my hood on and just look like I'm from Mordor. Why not? So my shits are kindergarten homework is absolutely fucking terrible. It's a fight every day. It was 
taking about an hour. My mom was very much like, you do this on your own. This is your thing to figure out. Sebastian's homework is sent to parents on Class Dojo. I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't until Sebastian and pandemic and stuff. It's basically like an online school portal type of thing. It's two pieces of homework every night, which fine. I'm all for kids having homework. I get the argument against it, but I went to one of those schools where I have hours of homework a night. It sucks, but I think kids need it. It prepares them for bigger phases in your life and all this other stuff. The way it's set up for us to get the homework, there's no way this kid can do it on his own and it just drives me crazy. And then I have to take a picture and send it into the teacher when he's done. It's just too much. At that school meeting, I was talking to parents about how much work the students who were doing the play would have. And the parents kept saying, okay, so they get home at this time because I have to be there for the homework. In sixth grade, the parents have to be there with the kids? They were saying that they need to help with homework. I guess they're on homework duty and so they're like, what time are they going to get home because there's the homework and the whatever and the whatever. And I was just like, I guess this continues. If I didn't know how to do my own homework, my mom would be like, ask your teacher. I really think we are enabling our children too much. I just feel like they're all weaklings, but I'm giving off major boomer energy right now, which I know somebody's going to have a problem with me saying that, but you get what I mean. My tits are, I talk about this every single year, but I'm so tired of the over-commercialization of Christmas. There's too much. The fact that you're expected to spend a certain amount on each person. The expectation of the gift giver is ridiculous. I'm shocked when I get a present. Sebastian's the one that I care about getting presents. Anyone that's not my husband or my parents, I don't really need a gift. I just got into a big argument with this woman at Luda's ballet class. I sound like a joy to be (laughs) friends with, don't I? We were talking about gift giving or something and I said, eh, you know, it's not too bad. I just asked people to buy into an experience for Luna. We have enough shit. We don't need any more toys. Totally. And she's like, but I have three. And I was like, okay. Congratulations. She's like, I expect my parents and my brother and my sister to buy for all three. And I was like, well, why do you expect them to do that? That's a lot in one. And she's like, but I have three. I'm like, okay, do you want a cookie? Aren't we supposed to be instilling gratitude into our children, not material bullshit? God, this enrages me so much. It's nice anyone's even buying your kids any presents. Yeah. So me buying an entire swing set for my three nephews is not good. They need separate swing sets? No, I just buy them something that they all can enjoy. I just have such feelings about that. I'm like, I'm going to call all your family and tell them not to buy you shit and see what you say. In my attempt to counteract all of this commercialization and bullshit expectations, every year I try to do something a little bit different for people different than Matt, my parents. For the people that I just want to give them a gesture and say, hey, I thought of you this holiday season. Here's a token. Yes, such a nice little gesture. So I'm a little hesitant to say what I'm working on for my handmade Christmas because you're getting one. Oh, oh, thank you. Because I know you really appreciate handmade. I do. This is a very nice gift. I started it and I was like, holy shit, I made this. This looks professional. I can't wait to see. I think you'll really like it. All right. Up next, Maya Hardigan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's guest is a mom and the founder of May, pregnancy and postpartum support offering tools that support a safer pregnancy tailored to the needs of black women. Welcome Maya Hardigan. Hi, Maya. Hi, Ashley. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. We have been wanting to have someone on specifically about black maternal health. So please tell us about May. So May is a solution that was really founded on a mission to reduce maternal health disparities for Black women. It very much feels like our house is on fire when we think about these disparities and those who are most meaningfully impacted. We know that Black women are deeply suffering and our children and our families and our communities from this problem. And so May is a solution that we really built around established clinical interventions, things that we knew and understood worked for maternal health generally, but also for this particular population of women. And I myself am a Black mother of three. I can say that this speaks to me personally and to the experiences of so many of my loved ones. We are a hybrid solution that is focused on digital support for Black expectant and new mothers, and specifically a platform that allows us to drive digital education, allows us to drive self-tracking of some of the particular risk factors that Black women are impacted by, higher rates of gestational diabetes, hypertension, disorders like preeclampsia and the like, higher rates of perinatal mood disorders, postpartum depression, all of these sorts of things. And so So we serve as a digital health platform that allows our users, Black expectant mothers, to self-track, to receive dynamic education, guidance, support on next steps in their care. It's really important, I think, just to acknowledge that a digital health platform in and of itself is not enough because we understand the myriad of factors that are driving these disparities. Digital health can go a long way, but I think digital health here is not enough. And so the reason I describe us as a hybrid solution is because we are advancing those digital components of our offering, but we're overlaying on top of that community-based support for these mothers as well, and specifically engagement with community-based doulas to ensure that the mothers we're supporting have trusted opportunities for partnership, but importantly, they also have that advocacy in the room. I think our challenge and our opportunity is in encouraging insurance companies to fund both the digital health components, but also that community-based doula partnership. I've been working on a panel about healthcare because here I am, woman who had really good health insurance and was not listened to in her her pregnancy at all and had a very complicated birth process, changed OBGYNs a couple of times. And so I have been on this panel for health insurance because the treatment I've gotten on Medicaid, the way the doctors have talked to me has been extremely different than when I was not on Medicaid. I cannot even imagine what it's like for other women. I can relate to that on some level. I am a Black woman, but I am also someone who's worked in healthcare for a very long time, almost 20 years. I am someone who had incredible health insurance when I had all three of my daughters. I was health literate, obviously, by nature of my day job. I've been doing this work for a very long time. And for me, I was shocked as someone who had that level of understanding, that level of health literacy, the high quality health insurance I had. I was shocked 
by some of the marginalization I faced in my own care. And similarly, I had this moment of just acknowledging if this is happening to me, what is happening to so many of our sisters? Up until I got pregnant, I knew nothing. My child was unplanned. Really, this was a very foreign concept. My mother, when she had me, was a teenager with a name like Soledad Vasquez. Her knowledge of what was going on was very limited as well. So I really had nothing. And when I started to go on this journey, I learned so much about the state of maternal health care in the United States that despite being in one of the most advanced countries in the world, all women are often forced into unnecessary cesareans and so much more. But the most shocking thing that I learned is that black women are three times more likely to experience a pregnancy related death than white women, which which is truly unacceptable. So can you explain how this is possible, what is happening, and what causes this? It's an incredible question, and I think it really gets to the root of why we're here. There are a whole host of drivers that are leading to these poor outcomes. What is really well established by this point is bias and sometimes explicit racism in our care. And there have been numerous studies that show when Black women are reporting pain or concerns about their health, very often those aren't acknowledged or they're saying, oh, don't worry about that. Things will be fine. They're not addressed in in a timely fashion, and then things continue to spiral out of control for that mom. So I think this very well-established disparity in how we are responded to when we express a concern about our health is a huge part of it. Those are just the simple fact of biases that exist in healthcare and something that we, particularly as Black women, just have to be hyper aware of when we're thinking about who our providers are and where we can find that cultural competency in our care or where we can find a provider where that cultural alignment may not be there, but that commitment to treating all equal is. So I think this notion of provider choice is one that is critically important, particularly for Black women. If you're feeling a discomfort, if you're feeling like your concerns aren't addressed, if you're feeling like your questions aren't being answered, remind yourself always, every day, every moment that you have the choice to switch, to find someone who is better able to meet your needs or respect you as a human. Beyond that, there are a whole host of other things that really speak to the challenges that we have had generationally in accessing best-in-class healthcare without financial barriers getting in the way, without location barriers sort of getting in the way. For those of us who work in public health and for those of us who work in minority health, I think some of the impacts of those generational access barriers are very well apparent as each generation comes forward, where we also tend to see higher rates of chronic conditions and risk factors that Black women are entering into pregnancy with hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and the like. And I think it's really, really important to say that this comment is not around victim shaming. This comment is simply an acknowledgement of the fact that we have not had equitable health care for generations. Anything that we can do on our side to try to get ahead of that, to try to make sure that we are putting ourselves in the strongest position for a successful pregnancy is huge. And, and also acknowledging why we may have had some challenges, but just making sure that we're doing anything within our control to access the resources that we need. Black Americans may represent about 13% of the population in the U.S., but about 4% of the workforce of doctors. For those of us who were to say, I would feel much more comfortable with a Black doctor, with someone who has this shared experience, we very likely can't all find that. So that really challenges us to think we need that cultural competency on our team. Is it going to be the nurses? Is it going to be a doula? Is it going to be a midwife who's supplementing this experience that I may be having in my OB's office? Where will I find that? What does it look like? And to what extent should I prioritize it at the start of my pregnancy? Here are some statistics from the May website. Black women are twice as likely to experience a pregnancy-related complication, 49% 
20% more likely to give birth prematurely, which impacts the health of our children. That's a big number. An estimated 60% of Black maternal deaths are avoidable. On the site, you say that doulas are one intervention that could aid in this reduction. An important distinction perhaps to make between doulas and midwives. Midwives are folks who are trained in the medical support and delivery of a baby. Also phenomenal outcomes related to midwife-assisted births. Doulas do not deliver babies. Doulas are folks who can partner with you throughout the pregnancy and postpartum journey for emotional support, education, guidance, advocacy. But they also do play a role in the labor and delivery experience. While they're not delivering that baby, they are supporting pain management. They are helping to encourage you through the process and just providing guidance on the experience and advocacy to make sure that those birth preferences that you may have stated or documented in a birth plan are kept top of mind. They're really there to make sure that that experience remains yours and that any intervention that may come your way as a result of the labor experience, which is very unpredictable, making sure that your consent is there, you have a full understanding of next steps and you're comfortable. There's this three to four times higher maternal mortality rate for Black women, but when we think about maternal morbidity, so the near-death experiences that don't result in a death, that that is a multiple higher. So there are just so many Black women who are suffering, even when it doesn't go as far as morbidity. There are a lot of specific things that have been shown to bring these risks down, even thinking about things like the rates of non-medically required C-sections. We know that C-sections hold a host of downstream health complications if they are done unnecessarily for moms. That increases the risk of postpartum hemorrhage, a host of other drivers of maternal morbidity or mortality. Not to mention it's just a huge operation. I'm a three-time C-section mom, and I think I was very lucky to have recovered from all three of those experiences in the way that I did. I would definitely be terrified to have a fourth baby and to need to have a fourth C-section. But doulas, for example, can play a meaningful role in helping moms with breathing techniques, pain management techniques, even being able to help massage the belly to help shift that baby into a more agreeable position for a vaginal birth. So their role has been correlated with being able to drive down rates of non-medically indicated C-sections. Doula support during the prenatal period has also been correlated with reducing rates of preterm labor. This is something that obviously has an impact on both mom and baby. It's really important to carry a baby to term. It's not always within our control, but one of the things that's been really interesting the more I go into Black maternal health is the impact that stress can have on preterm labor. And so another role that doulas can play is helping mom during the prenatal period to manage stress and focus in on self-care. So their participation in the prenatal period has also been correlated with lower rates of preterm birth and low birth weight babies. Low birth weight issue is a huge one in our community. We have a rate of about 15% preterm births. Many of those babies end up in NICU, depending on how early those babies are. There may be physical, cognitive delays and developmental problems with that baby. And so this is also a huge problem and concern for us. And there are a whole host of things. Black women tend to have much higher rates of postpartum depression. Very often that goes undiagnosed. And what that means is that we're not returning to a place of sound mental health after we have our babies, which obviously has far-reaching ramifications in how we're able to parent and get through our days. So the doula's role extends to and through that postpartum period. But doula's role also includes support around care of the young baby and the infant, making sure that we're focusing on 
successful breastfeeding and feeding generally, sleep safety, bathing, all of these sorts of things. That's why we made the role of doulas one that was central to our solution and program. Having an advocate there for you to speak for you when you are in pain and not thinking properly and overwhelmed is so important. It's also worth noting doula care is oftentimes not covered by insurance. That was a really big issue for me when I was self-educating was I was like, I should look into a doula. I should look into a midwife. And in my findings at that time, which was over five years ago, what I often found was we know that medical bills tend to be ridiculous. They charge $70 for a toothbrush, along with so many other horror stories. But really, when it comes down to cost, birth with a midwife is cheaper than at a hospital. But to get these things covered by insurance is almost unheard of. We are spending a lot of time in the Medicaid space. We are seeing a shift and there is a pretty big difference between doula and midwife. I should have clarified that. I think we're seeing a lot of attention here in the right way, specifically speaking to Medicaid, which obviously is our program for lower income Americans. Medicaid's funding about 50% of births in the U.S. Wow. Upwards of 65% of Black births in the U.S. For us, as a company focused on Black maternal health, it was critically important that we figured out how to work and work well with our Medicaid plan partners because our goal at May is not to have launched a solution to put into the world to focus on disparities that no one could pay for or a few people could pay for. Only the people who already had financial means could access. Our goal was to focus on being able to serve a majority of Black expectant mothers with a solution where money wouldn't be a barrier. We launched in partnership with insurance partners. And insurance is not an easy thing to deal with, collaborate with. So that is quite the accomplishment. Thank you. It's not been easy, but we've really spent the last year establishing some of those early partnerships. We have some exciting press releases going out in Q4. We are seeing a lot of movement around doula reimbursement in the Medicaid regulatory landscape. So there are a handful of states that have been reimbursing doulas under Medicaid for years. Some challenges, I think, in getting to a place of setting the payment at the right level and being able to find the supply of doulas who are willing to participate at an amount that Medicaid's willing to fund. But we've actually seen dozens of states over the last two to three years introduce legislation because there is a lot more evidence emerging around not only the role that doulas can play in improving pregnancy experience for mothers, but also the impact that they can have in driving those disparities and in doing so actually driving down that clinical cost of care for every could have been C-section that ends up being a non complex vaginal birth for every mother who gets through that experience without medical pain management and ends up being in a great position to have a natural labor if that's what they so choose. For every mom who's then avoiding a postpartum rehospitalization because she understood that the C-section scar being warm to the touch was a sign of an early infection instead of just letting that escalate or not knowing that and having that escalate and result in a rehospitalization and a surgery. So a lot of state Medicaid agencies and individual insurance plans are now acknowledging the important role that some of these interventions, including doulas, can play. It's really exciting. We are seeing new legislation go into place in Maryland, in Virginia, in Michigan, in a number of different states. We're seeing a lot more doula reimbursement in Florida. We're also seeing some really progressive health plan leaders in other states like Mississippi and Louisiana, states where Medicaid expansion hasn't even happened on the back end and these sorts of healthcare access issues are very pervasive. We are seeing some progressive plan leaders who are saying, 
need to do better by our mothers and we need to do better by our babies. And so we're seeing individual plans in some states where that reimbursement doesn't exist commit to paying for these resources beginning in Q4, but also moving into 2023. We're going to have some really exciting announcements to share around partnerships in states across the board. And it's very, very long overdue. That's amazing. Congratulations. I wanted to bring up a pop culture moment that I think kind of best reflects what we're talking about. I'm a diehard Real Housewives of New York fan. I love the show. Do you watch it? I don't. That's okay. I have never seen it, but tell me. So in this last season that was god-awful, Ramona is quite the Trump supporter. She tends to be racist. Basically, the ladies were invited to a Shabbat dinner. One woman there is Jewish. The rest, they were just invited. I'm a Jew, so that's something we do. We invite people over for Shabbat. Of the other people that were at this dinner that weren't housewives, a majority of them were black. Somehow the conversation of this topic came up and one of the women started to tell the housewives her experience in her maternal care as a black woman, what she faced. And of course, this woman that I already explained, Ramona, got into, well, also it was like that for me. And everyone was like, you're diminishing what she's saying. This is exactly the problem. She's sitting here telling you that she wasn't heard. The doctors didn't take her pain seriously and you're doing the exact same thing. And it turned into this big argument. But I bring it up to say, we have a mom podcast. We very much are entrenched in the world of motherhood, of pregnancy, and yet we find that most people don't know that there is this disparity between white women giving birth and black women giving birth and what they go through. So what can we do to spread awareness, to advocate? How can we be better allies to this community that needs more attention? I think it's advocacy and being additional voices in the room. It is incredibly difficult to continue to shout this from the rooftop for decades on in as Black women and to not have folks listening or understanding what this means to us. One thing is that we're fellow citizens. We need to acknowledge and understand the importance of healthy starts for all of our children and how that supports communities, how that supports our country. We need to understand and acknowledge what happens when there's a breakdown in families because mothers are not supported. We need to think and remind ourselves of the impact that that has on fathers, partners, children, broader communities, and acknowledge what that means. There is a lot of movement on the regulatory side right now when we think about things like what we were just discussing, coverage of doulas, driving and encouraging states to fund the healthcare services and the choices of women of color, acknowledging, respecting, and supporting the healthcare needs of all women, including those of us who are most marginalized in this area. So spreading the word, talking about it, sharing articles, keeping this top of mind for all of us is huge. There are also organizations who work in a very dedicated way around this issue, like NBEC, the National Birth Equity Collaborative in Louisiana, who are doing critically important work to drive regulatory changes that can support the needs of Black women and Black mothers and Black babies across the country. Anything that we can do to support organizations like that is huge. These are nonprofit entities. They need dollars and cents to do the work. The more that I spend time pitching insurance companies and actually going to insurance companies and saying, here's what we believe you should be doing and investing in with respect to Black maternal health. And if that means an investment of an extra $1,000 a year, 
year, $1,500 a year in these mothers. Here's how and why I think we need to justify that. Very often, we'll hear back from those companies that they're looking to their members to tell them about services they should be funding. So they look at inbound calls and they say, what are our members? What are our moms looking for? And what are they needing? I almost think that there's something to be done across the board around encouraging our own insurance companies to fund and support services that we all as women need and that Black women may even disproportionately need. So when we think about the ability to find and pay for a doula with ease, I could say the same thing about midwives. Very often they are covered, but very often there's a mismatch in terms of the supply and demand. So insurance companies may not have enough midwives in their network who they're covering to meet the demand of women in their network who would like to have a midwife. Anything that we can do collectively to just raise our voices to our insurance companies, to regulators in our state and the like around what we need. My son's doctor, who, again, I did the same thing, didn't like the original pediatrician he went to, switched him while he was around four months old. And I love this pediatrician office. They are so incredible. And my insurance, which is United Healthcare, they were about to no longer take United Healthcare because they weren't paying them out. And I said, listen, I can't lose another doctor because of this. What do I need to do? And they said, call, call the insurance. And enough parents called their insurance. It's no longer an issue. We are still covered. This doctor still takes United Healthcare. So this is a much smaller situation than what you're talking about. But it is true. A lot of us feel very small and like our voice doesn't matter. But when enough of us come together, there is change to be made. I really believe in that. None of us today want to optionally be on the phone with our insurance companies. But I do think that small everyday actions like that can make a big and meaty and meaningful difference. And so I would just encourage folks to set a standard for what we need, put a stake in the ground and let's collectively ask for it. We ask all of our moms on the show this one question. If mothers have the ability to outsource something from their lives, what would it be? I have opted to outsource cleaning toilets in my home. Amen. Amen. I don't do floors. I don't do toilets. Windows, I certainly don't do. I grew up and would like to raise my girls to know that we clean up our own messes. However, at some point, my husband sat me down and he said, you're running a business. You're parenting these three girls. Let's have somebody come in and help. Our whole thing is we cater to the woman that existed before there were children around. That's the mantraj ethos. Oftentimes, we're very honest and complain about aspects of motherhood. We'll say, man, my kid wasn't asked today. That's just our voice. That's what we do here. But I just want to say, you especially, you're not just doing your own thing. You're advocating for other women. There's only so much that you can handle. So I don't think there's any shame in outsourcing cleaning or or anything else that is so labor intense and you just don't have the time to do it. If it makes your life and your family's life better, what does it matter? There's limited time. We have to think about our sources of joy. My family's Creole. I love cooking. That is something that I spent a lot of time on, but it's truly a source of joy and I wouldn't outsource that if I could, but my toilets are not a source of joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see the woman or man. I mean, I guess there's some people that really enjoy. My grandmother really liked cleaning. Clean talk exists. There is a whole world on TikTok where people show you how to clean things in the best possible way because they enjoy it. Not me. Maya, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, educate our listeners. Especially when you're taking the time from your day of doing things that actually are making a huge dent. Thank you so much. I'm just so grateful to have had the space for this conversation. It means a lot to me and to our team. We're on Instagram.
Instagram at Mayhealth Inc. We will be sharing some announcements around our newly deployed work soon. So we would love to have an increase in followers. Our website is meetmay.com, M-E-E-T-M-A-E.com. Would love and encourage for you to spread the word, particularly with Black women who are expecting or new mothers in your lives. We would love to support their journey. Thank you both so much. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So this article is from The New Yorker. It's called A Reconsideration of Santa's Lap. And it basically starts off with the author saying that last year they began to notice more and more Santa visit photos posted on social media that showed kids standing side by side with Santa or sharing a bench as opposed to sitting on Santa. They basically justify this through the ripples of the Me Too movement and this kind of broader reexamination of social norms about boundaries and consent and this bigger issue of the patriarchal male lap. And the little girl who sits on it. When you kind of connect this patriarchal male lap to the fact that kids oftentimes look so upset when they're sitting on Santa's lap. It really has started to make people question some things. They say they may be absorbing a problematic lesson about the demands of adult authority figures superseding their own sense of what does and doesn't feel right. That kids are going to feel the need to live up to parental disappointment, peer pressure, and pleasing an authority figure. Any one of those for an adult is a difficult situation. And think about it. Those of us who are in therapy or just think deeply about ourselves how many of us have felt like we've done things in our lives because of parental disappointment, peer pressure, or pleasing an authority figure. They asked this sex and relationship therapist who works with trauma survivors. She talked about how stressful it can be for a child to deal with all three of those emotions when coming face-to-face with Santa Claus. One of the things you want to do for your child is ask the question, do you want to go see Santa? And if they say no, respecting that no. Even if it means losing out on a Christmas card photo, respect And if they say yes, then letting the child set the pace through the process. So you would say something like, okay, we're there. Are you nervous? How are you feeling right now? He's right there. He's three feet away. We're here. Do you want to sit on his lap? And every step of the way, you're acknowledging their right to opt out and acknowledging their right to set their terms and empowering them to say no to grownups. You know, I read a lot of this article and I was a little bit torn with, are we taking things a little too far? Because on one hand, 
I remember being maybe five years old and my mom having a conversation with me because every time somebody, a man that I knew would come in, I would give them a hug, which when you're five, your head is right about penis level. That's what Luna does. And I'm like, please stop. Sebastian does it too. We have a crossing guard that Sebastian really loves and he hugs this man all the time. The truth is, I don't know who this man is. I don't know if he's just genuinely happy to see my son. I don't know if he's some weird pervert. I have no idea. So I haven't quite fully figured out how to broach this subject with my child in terms of hugging men a certain way. But I do think the argument for this sitting on Santa's lap really opens up a bigger conversation. And it's not just about we don't know what kind of lurchy, pervy Santa there are. In this article, they do investigate two different Santas who run Santa schools. These men really wax poetic about how important their job is in the world. And I'd like to believe that that's the case. I'd like to believe that these men playing Santa really do take this role very seriously. So I want to know from you, Carrie, how do you feel about Luna sitting on Santa's lap or just the entire Santa mall visit experience? We don't do it or have not yet. I don't think I'll do it. I hated character head people. Now, granted, Santa's not a character head, but same idea. And so my mom would force me and then I would pee and then it would be a big thing because I was embarrassed. I don't like clowns, all that genre. And I was forced to do it by my 80s parents a lot. I guess at some point my mom just realized they're all going to be bad. Carrie's going to piss herself every time. And so we stopped, but I still don't like them as adults. As far as sitting on the lap, I'm just extra aware these days about power struggle and women against men and men against women. And by that, I mean taking rights away from women so they're not equal to a man for various reasons. And having a daughter, too. It's just like creep central. I feel like so many of us have made so many poor choices in our life because we were raised to, like the article says, please our parents, peer pressure. You should never sit on a strange man's lap. We take Sebastian every year with the exception of two COVID years. I just think Macy's is the most magical Santa place. It's a thing we do. This year, we're trying something a little different. We are going to a breakfast at Macy's. We'll do a picture with Sebastian by himself and then me and Matt will get in. I'll just CGI. I like the experience and Sebastian has liked the experience. Now, in terms of having to sit on his lap, I think he's a bit old for that at this point. I don't think he needs to be sitting on some man's lap. It doesn't even occur to me to do it with Luna. I'm just remembering how I felt and so I don't even do it. There's so many things that I look back and I'm like, that was just setting us up for expecting life to be a certain way or thinking things were okay. Even something as little as consent with me as a parent being like, do you want to go get your picture taken? Now, I get criticized a lot by everyone in my family that I'd ask Luna too much whether she wants to do something or not, and I should just tell her. But I'm trying to be conscious of being like, if the kid doesn't want to do that thing and it's a low leverage thing, just let the kid have autonomy over their choices. It's not a thing that they need to do for their betterment. It's not a thing that they need to do for survival. Some of it for me has less to do with the lap and more to do with let's just not force our kids to do low leverage things all the time in my hippie way. But also, I think it's creepy. I think it's a little creepy. Although I'm saying that, but I have amazing stories of friends being like, I didn't know what my kid wanted. And then I heard Santa say it. And then we provided this magical whatever, whatever. I know that there's all of these beautiful stories. You said the Santas really feel touched. Touched is the wrong word. Wrong word. I get how it's a wholesome thing. I hate to take experiences away. For me, it's a no brainer, but I think it's because I really didn't like it as a kid. My whole thing is colored a little 
little bit by that. Do you think it's different with boys than girls? Even though it's both ways it happens. I mean, I think creepers happen to boys and girls. I really think the tendency is to automatically assume that creepy old men are only creepy with little girls, but we know that's not true. There's creepers with everything. There is something that the dynamic of the world has been set up that men have a stronger thing than women. So aside from the diddling that might occur or the perv factor, the deeper thing is this power play between the idea of like a submissive female to a power male or a power male to a submissive male. It's just a weird power dynamic that we're talking about. I think the midterm election, we're really seeing this dynamic changing. I don't know if this is just temporary and people are just so terrified of losing democracy and MAGA and all of that other stuff that they voted a certain way. But I'm hoping a majority of people voted a certain way because our social consciousness is shifting. We're shocked that we reversed time. But also we see these videos on TikTok, on Instagram of these misogynist, disgusting men who say like, I want my woman to be a woman. There are still men out there that don't want women to have jobs and don't want all these kinds of things. A lot of us, myself included, live in a world where that is so not a part of the everyday life. But it is even in small ways, just not the big ways. It is and it isn't. I as a woman don't feel like I can't have pretty much any job. I may not be as successful successful as a man is at that job or make as much money as a man in that same job that all may be true but I still can have the job right so I'm not saying it's a totally even playing field but I just think times are a changing hopefully that's reflected with little boys and little girls too okay so is Sebastian gonna sit on his lap if he offers it like I said I'm trying to figure out how to have a talk with Sebastian about how to not hug men a certain way and I think the same with Santa but I also am having having a hard time finding the words to broach the subject without giving him a new anxiety or a new fear or something to be cautious of. How do you say don't put your face in a guy's dick when you're hugging them in a nice way without them saying, well, why? How to introduce the demons, the evil parts of society before they've thought of it because you don't want them not to know, but when is the introduction that that happens in the world? I think it needs to happen soon. And this is something that has been on my mind quite a bit. Every time we see George the Cross But you're going to break a heart, too, at the same time. I mean, it has to happen, but you're breaking somebody's heart. My mom flat out was like, you don't ever want to put yourself in a situation where you're a victim. And again, I was a little girl. I do think that that's a lesson girls need to be told. Boys don't necessarily, I feel like I'm contradicting myself now. Anyway, are you going to put your child on a per-the-hour seasonal employment person's lap this holiday season? If so, tell us why you're okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, tell us why, too. Write us in at hello at momtrash podcast.com hashtag swag bag my hashtag swag bag is voting ah that's a great one i i voted for apples oh. <laughs> She did vote for apples. And every time I say about voting, she goes, well, I voted for Red Delicious at my school. So I just want to thank you all for voting Red Delicious because it was hanging on a little bit too close for my liking. Voting is the tits and it's the always forever hashtag swag bag. Agreed. However, I have a different one. However, here's to commerce. Old Navy jeans for boys. The ninja jeans. Ooh. So cute. They're so cheap. They're extra stretchy. They basically feel like jeggings on your kid. They're a great skinny cut without being too tight. Without being full fallout boy. Yes. If you're having a hard time
time finding cute jeans for your son, which I always do, that fit really well. The Old Navy Ninja jeans. Hiya! Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. It's been real. Ashley and I have barely been able to keep it together. This was a doozy. Sorry. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamaDramaBand.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.